Welcome to 2024, everyone. So tell me, how are those New Year's resolutions coming? Are you still staying the course or have you fallen off the wagon already? If you have, don't despair. I have something that can help. It's my Level Up Cheat Sheet. This cheat sheet will give you the mindset tools you need to achieve your goals and live your dream life. Taken from several best-selling personal development books, I've taken out all the fluff and distilled it down to five key takeaways you need to level up your life. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what one smart person on my email list had to say after he read it. I just finished it today, and I can see how this could really make a difference in my life. I was at the point of giving up on some of my goals, but your cheat sheet was exactly what I needed at just the right time. Here's the hard truth. We all need to be at our level best physically, financially, and mentally in order to beat back the state and prepare for whatever's coming. 2024 is bound to be a wild year and you don't want to be caught off guard. So don't give up on your goals. Level up your life instead. To get your free download, go to levelupcheatsheet.com. That's levelupcheatsheet.com. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Alliance Network's What Can We Do? I'm Haley Heathman, and today I am joined by Michelle Stiles. Michelle is the author of One Idea to Rule Them All, Reverse Engineering American Propaganda. I'm going to hold the book up for you here. Um, She has advanced degrees in exercise science and has written two Mm -hmm. books about knee replacement surgery and recovery. A teacher by design and or a teacher by nature and contrarian by design, Michelle has a keen ability to simplify the complex. While writing a book about the machinations of propaganda by a physical therapist may seem like an oddity, it's simply the product of an active mind in the quest for truth. I'm delighted to welcome Michelle to the show. Welcome. Haley, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here today and share with your audience uh, all the the knowledge that I've gained over these past years in studying this uh, kind of odd topic. Well, it is, but it's it's much needed, and um, you know, and you are certainly a wealth and font of knowledge. And I just want to start off number one by giving you uh, accolades for such uh, a a detailed and um, thorough. Uh, treatise of this topic, but again, it's uh, written in a very like understandable way. So it's extremely, exceedingly well researched, um, but you know, not to the point where you feel like, oh my gosh, I can't keep up. You know, so kudos to you for for that. Um, so let's just um, start off. Number one. Um, one idea to rule them all. So I think I obviously I catch that reference, but let's just start with the title. What is that? What does that mean? Well, it was a reference to um, the uh, the uh, J.R. Tolkien book, obviously, mm-hmm. One Ring to Rule Them All. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I feel like propaganda is the monopoly of monopolies, because if you can steer public opinion, which they have been doing for the entire 1900s, um, they realized how to do it early on in that century. And um, they've been doing it ever since. And if we don't understand the history, uh, we can't fit in the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle properly. And that's really, really important for your listeners. Okay. So, so it's like propaganda almost holds the key of understanding where we are in the corruption of our society and it helps us um, 
basically uh, understand the problems that we, the real problems that we need to solve. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and as I was going through the book, I mean, I I, I get it because it is so all encompassing and pervasive. And uh, you know, one of the um, uh, metaphors that you use to describe it is the um, uh, like a the spider's web. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and we are caught in a spider's web and it's like, no matter where you turn to try and get out of it, you just keep getting trapped in it more and more. So why don't you tell me what that is, what that's all about and what the spider's web is and, you know, uh, how that works. Well, here's the thing. If you try to understand it, um, like by jumping in, if you think that propaganda started in 2016 with, with talking about fake news, mm-hmm. you're really in trouble. Okay. And really where we were, we've been blinded because they've kind of sabotaged our trusts. So you have to kind of go back to the beginning, you know, back into the early 1900s and piece this all because it's so complicated that it's almost impossible for people to realize, Hey, we're here in this, this degeneration. Like we're, we're massively here. Like when I talk about the, the idea um, syndicate at the universities, if you don't have context on that, if you don't have historical context, you'll think I'm nuts, right? And so you got to push people back to the early 1900s. And, you know, let's just start here. If if I asked a question in a propaganda quiz I did recently, these are mostly red pill folks. These are our, our people, right? And um, I said, um, I asked them about un- the understanding of whether they thought you needed a lot of money to, to do propaganda. Okay. And they said, no, I don't think you do. Okay. But got to remember you're influencing public opinion and you can only do that with reach and to have reach, you have to have money. Okay. So let's just, I would have voted. Yes. I was thinking yes, because yeah, but I I got a lot of answers that said, no. Yeah. I'm surprised now that they're sort of telling us now we can do propaganda. Right. Right. Okay. So let's just set aside for the moment, the, the talk about the digital space. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's just look from 1900 to 2000. Right. And in that era, you had to have reach and you, and that what means you had to have money. That's a basic propaganda equation. Okay. So who can do propaganda? Let's, let's answer that first. Okay. Organizations, corporations, and governments. Those are the only three entities that have the kind of money you need um, to promote propaganda. And, and we can start with an example. And this is a new example that I didn't even put in the book. So your, your listeners are getting <laughs> uh, lifetime information that I'm, that I'm learning right, right now. Um, Albert Crozier was a man. He was a lawyer. And in 1911, he, he wanted to warn the country of what would happen with the um, Federal Reserve Act of 1913 if we passed it. Okay. And he, he wrote a book. He went section by section and said, you know, cause you can't read lawyer, lawyerese, right? He, he would say, oh, okay. Um, this is what it means. This is what's going to happen to you. Right. If you, if you pass this bill, he put prominent people on, um, uh, uh, what do I say? He sent them letters and on the record. Okay. He sent them letters and said, Hey, it, this section, what does it mean? And if they, they, they would either lie or, you know, pretend they didn't know what he's talking about. Right. So he did all that. He went to a, a meeting, he confronted him in a meeting. Um, and, and, and he did everything possible. He lost. Okay. He wrote this book, U S um, um, currency versus corporate currency. Now, what was he fighting against? He was fighting against a front group created by the bankers called the national citizens league for the promotion of sound banking. 
This is 1911, Haley. This is huge, okay? And I found this, and you can go to my website and click on the blog post about this, but you can go right to the New York Times article where I'm going to tell you what they say. So this, this front group could only get officers from, they mandated that the officers had to come from the Midwest because the, the new uh, Northeastern bankers knew that they weren't trustworthy. And so they had to get the Midwest. We'll, we'll, we'll co-opt authority from the Midwest, right? We'll co-opt trust from the Midwest to convince the people. So they, they, they made chapters in 42 uh, states. So they had paid personnel. They, they created um, literature. They dumbed it down. Marketing message. This is why we need a central bank. They um, targeted the intelligentsia with books and presentations and symposia, right? Um, they even hired experts to look region by region and develop a, pre a package on explaining to the people what, why a central bank, not having a central bank was hurting this region and how it would benefit a region. I mean, half a million dollars, Haley, half That's a million dollars of what we know in right. 1911. You got mm -hmm. Al Crozier over here and Propaganopoly over here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Right. So, I mean, you are not winning that battle, right? And so they hold the lock on that and they have for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, that's kind of an example. If you don't realize that they were doing it way back then and they were very effective, um, you're going to not understand where we are in the, the, the process of degeneration. Right. And I think I like that you brought up that quiz and that, um, that question, because that, to me, again, that's surprising because, you know, that our people don't understand that because, you know, one of the other tenets of propaganda, you say reach well is repetition. And right. again, you need, you need, uh, resources to be able to repeat yes. the message. And yeah. it also has to come from a variety of sources. And this is, again, where you've got that that spider's web where and what they've got us enveloped in right now, where you're not just hearing it from academia, you're hearing it from the government agencies. And then also Hollywood, they've got them in their pocket, too, where they've got their right. celebrities out there. And then it just turns into like, oh, it's taken for granted that this is the truth, you know, yes. thinking of things like climate change, you know, like they just, they just state it like it's a matter of fact, you know, like they put it in the textbooks. It's a matter of fact. They, they've got the, you know, in the, in the advertisements and, you know, in museums like, oh, and here's how the polar ice, you know, due to climate change, but like, it's a statement of fact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, so it's just taken as a, as a, as a given, but you know, that's where the repetitions, you know, it's, it's, it's both in your face and it's also subtle, right. um, but it's but, almost, but, but it's almost, I coined a term called structural propaganda, mm -hmm. because if you can manufacture the evidence for your point of view, which they are doing in the university. So again, you have to go way back. You have to go to back to that foundations book that I explained in my book, right, um, where um, it talks about during the Depression, the universities were kind of strapped for cash and the foundation started um, funding, but they, they would do two things. They say, well, we'll fund this project with these people. So they kept captured the personnel and the ideas. Again, if the, if the university is the idea seedbed, the germinating system of, 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 of fruit of ideas in a, in a culture, okay, if, if, if you provide the money and say, we're dictating that the, the research goes here and he, to these people and this way. So they first started with education, political science, um, and what was the other one? Um, um, the social sciences. That's where they started the, funding the money. And, you know, now we're into government 
um, money and public-private partnerships. And so, you know, so now we have like a structural propaganda, everything being pushed out, like gender ideology. It's it's coming out because it's being funded, Haley. You know what I mean? And we can't stop it because like everybody goes, well, if your, if your idea is so great, Haley, how come you don't have any proof? Well, I don't have any proof because they're only going to fund what they want. And so I can't get funding for my idea. And so certain ideas just can't come up in a culture that is fixed like that. And so again, we have to go back and see that it just didn't start. I mean, this is years in the making. Decades, you know, um, decades, yes. and you, um, in your book, you talk heavily, uh, and maybe it's important to, um, emphasize Edward Bernays and his role in all this. And like, why don't you tell me who he is and why he's so important and a central figure in this whole. Uh, okay. So let's, let's talk about if, if your readers want to, or readers, your listeners <laughs> want to get into the four source books, I would call them the four, four main source books is Laban, the crowd, a study of the popular mind in the late 1800s. And if you've got like show notes, Holly, I can give, Haley, I can give you these. Um, yep, I'll there. put all this on the show notes page. Um, Bernays Propaganda, which most people know. Um, Walter Lippmann, Public Opinion. And George Creel wrote How We Advertised America. He was the um, director of the Committee of Public Information in World War One. And so you can, you. so what I did historically, because again, you know, I, I'm just following my own um, lead here, is I wanted to hear about these things in their own words. So I wanted to read their books, right, and then read from people who talked about stuff from that time period. I didn't want to hear what historians said about them, okay? So one of the things that we should, we have to talk about, because it, it, it builds into Bernays um, stagecraft, which, which is probably what you wanted me to uh, go, but is, is this idea of infrastructure belief. So I'm going to hold this up here. And let me just say this, this is, um, these are adaptive mechanisms for us to come to our beliefs in a culture of trust. You and I can't research everything every day to find out, to move around in a complicated structure, a culture, right? We can't, it would take us too much energy. So we, we use these shortcuts um, to kind of position ourselves. Are we headed in the right direction, you know, or, or what? What am I to think about this next new thing? Okay. And so I call it the infrastructure of belief. Now this came directly from, can you see it in the bottom? Yep. yep. I don't know I can if you see can read it very well. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these are the community of trusts. Okay. And again, in a, in a relatively small community, these work really well. They're adaptive. They help us to make the culture even more complicated and successful. Okay. And so one, the, one of the first things here in the middle is ex your experience. And um, so trust your eyes, right? Um, and it's easy, you know, like the way you want to think about that is if um, something you can see becomes real to you. All right. If it's out in the ether, it doesn't, it's not real yet. All right. So they, they use this. They manipulate experience. They put experiences in front of us so that we say, hey, that's real. I have to take a, make it uh, pay attention to it. OK, so like an example I give in the book is a daughter comes up and says, mom, the, the boys are uh, fighting. They're angry at each other. And she's just like, I don't see it. Right. She hasn't seen anything. Three hours later, the one kid comes up. He's got a bloody nose. And she what did she say? Oh, I see it now. Right. Oh, I see. I, I see the, the, the fact that there was a problem there has become evident. That's Bernays's stagecraft in a nutshell. 
Okay. He, they use experience to put in front of us to say, this is a problem. Attend to it. Do you want me to give you another Bernays example? With the yep, let's, yep okay. let's hear another okay, one. Okay, so let's stick right with this stagecraft. He says in 1920, he says, the, the politician of the future is not going to use, no one's using facts and reason anymore, okay? Le bon said that in the late 1800s. Bernays repeated it. So he says, we're not using facts and reason. This is what the politician's going to do. He's going to, if he wants to lower taxes on wool coming into the country, let's say, okay, for whatever reason, right? He's, he's going to get, so his PR guy is people behind him, will get high net worth individuals to show up at an event, important event in cotton suits. Okay. So it signals to the people and the news, of course, is going to cover it. it. Signals to the people, oh, this may be a problem. Then they might get some middle-class protests to occur some other place in the country. And then thirdly, they'll, they'll commission a research project by social workers who will then determine that the poor are suffering because of um, they're not they're not able to afford wool products like wool socks and blankets and they're freezing in the winter. Okay, so these are seeded into the environment, seemingly random. Okay, to the people. All right, and then they are they're then then when the politician comes back, it, they 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 already think there's a problem, and then he's going to suggest lowering the tariffs. Okay, so that's how how it works, and it it's like 1920 they understood how to do this. Okay. They were going to problem reaction solution. Now, a lot of people have heard that, but they don't really understand that it's the news, the news media's job to identify the problem. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that's a power. I'm going to read you this quote because I love it. Uh, Walter Littman said this about that power. He said, the power to determine each day what shall seem important and what shall be neglected is a power unlike any that has been exercised since the Pope lost his hold on the secular mind. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it this way, if you're a head of a household or you're a local community, there's a tribal eldership. You have to figure out what the top problems are and solve them for the safety and stability of the community, right? Mm -hmm. If um, you don't do that on a regular basis, you're going to suffer, right? You're going to, you're going to be solving the wrong problems, um, or neglecting the ones that really, really are important that will bite you in the, you know what later on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you have a country where you can manipulate the top problem, but in the background, you, you, you're, you're paying the money for this propaganda, Right. You're going to manipulate public opinion to consolidate wealth, resources, and power. Okay? So every problem I design and lift to the top as the, like the, the people behind the scenes, when you solve it as the community, I'm raking cash in off the table or yeah. chips off the poker table. Okay? You know, I saw an interesting um, thread yesterday, and this is kind of like – I mean, I don't know if this is by design, but, you know, James Lindsay, he's done a lot of good work on like DEI and where the origins of all this, you know, wokeism and cultural Mm -hmm. wokeism. And he made a a really interesting thread about, you know, because now all of a sudden we're seeing these um, stories about um, the airplanes that are like the doors are blowing off. And then there was another story about the nuts and bolts that somebody took a photo of. And he says, you know, here's what's going to happen. You know, you're going to, um, 
you're going to see these, you know, people are saying, oh, this is DEI related. This is what happens when you got DEI. And this Mm -hmm. is going to eradicate trust in, especially if there is a major incident, but they're already laying the groundwork. And then down the line, all this is going to entail the, like the, the 2030 agenda where they don't want us to fly you, our right. 15 minute cities. So it's almost like, even though our reaction, it, it's almost like they can still manipulate our reaction. So yes, DEI is bad. So we don't want DEI, but then they, they, it, it seems like they're just manipulating it, you know, no matter what. And even when we think we're doing the right thing, like, oh, I'm up against DEI. Well, the result of that is still going to be you're not going to fly. It's going to be you're either going to not trust it. It's going to be unsafe or it's going to be too expensive or it's just going to be too unpalatable because you see all these videos of, I don't know, who craziness going on in the airports and the, and the, and the airlines. Right. But I thought that was a really interesting example that he used of how this is like, if we play this out, this is what the result is going to be. And you're going to start seeing more and more news articles about, you know, these planes that aren't safe and everything. And I was like, aha, that's another good example. Right. And then, and then where are they steering us to, right? Which is just what you're saying. They're steering us to being so afraid to want to fly that we just want to stay home and we're happy to live in our you know, 15 minute cities. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, exactly. it just, it just seems weird. So like, you know, because you would think that there should be competing goals, like even amongst the, you know, elites, the billionaire elites, like, wouldn't there be some of them like, sure, maybe some of them might have like a, a notion where I, I don't want you to fly anymore. We're in it, but, but aren't there like competing interests that would say, no, like this travel is good. You know, I don't, it, it just seems like how even up at the top, they can coalesce around like one idea. Isn't there competition amongst them? I, I don't understand, you know, how like. I think, they- I think there probably is, you know, but, but like back in 1930, Senator Norris, you know, put, talked about this chart called the spider web of Wall Street. And he talked about all the interlocking directorates then. And the bankers, you know, by being on being board of directors on all these different industries and on banks laterally to them. Um, they controlled the loans, right? And, and and then maybe they had stock in the company and that ultimately they could control those companies. And then you just have that expanded now to the section in my book where I talk about um, the 17 investment firms. You know what I mean? They, they've got tentacles everywhere, you know? And, and it, 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 it it's, Again, it's mind-boggling to think that it could be so corrupt at a lot of the higher places, you know. Um, and I think that's what stunned people with the co- coronavirus, right? They're like, I mean, like it's everywhere, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's in everything. Like, how could they have done this? But again, that's why you got to go back, go mm-hmm. back in history, because, like, my contention in the book is that pretty much. Uh, the control of America is hollowed out around the 1950s and the JFK assassination is the exclamation point to that. Okay. And America functions mostly as a shell company after that, even though we have both right and left. Okay. Uh, we have this, you know, political theater going on, but they're manipulating what problems we solve, the direction the country goes and again, how, how the people are thinking. Okay. Again, that's before digital, right? Before 2000, right? And that's what I consider like conventional propaganda warfare. See that they added money. They added two things to money, 
power in two sources, political power and news media power, which I just told you is the, 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 the ability to define the problems of the day. Right. And, um, but political power is related to the laws and, um, you know, jurisdiction of those laws. Right. And if you've through paying off politicians or the high amount of money it requires to put them into office, right? If you control those two power centers and you have the money, again, you can pretty much, you know, you're doing what you want. You're consolidating, you're gutting the country, right? At the same time, while the the facade still stands. And that's what people can't really understand. And they, they go, well, how could it, have, how could it be everywhere? I mean, I, you know, how could this coronavirus, how could they have infected everything and, and corrupted all these different agencies? So everybody go like the universities went along, the corporations went along, the commercials went along, for God's sakes. Right. It just seemed like everybody folded all at once. And you're just you're just stunned by that. If you if this is the first time you're really awakening to that depth of corruption. Well, and it's what is it that I think it's that Goebbels quote, you know, it, the big lie. What is it? The you're big right. lie. If you make it so if you make it big enough, people. <laughs> Don't believe it because <laughs> right, you think right. it's it's incredulous. Like they can't have everybody in on it, and yet, you know, we see more and more. And this is where you know, just basically, our our tax dollars are being used to funnel. You know, they're milking us, and they say it's funding one thing, but now we're starting to see it's just a big extortion. That's how they keep milking right. us because right. they cre- they create this bureaucracy right. and, and these programs that have what you know noble sounding names and everything and maybe to an extent they might do some portion of what they claim to do but i think a lot of it is just a money money laundering scheme to kind of funnel the money back to themselves in covert ways to keep right. funding their right so they used the- to in the in the 1920s and well actually like and after the world wars right the rockefellers put a lot of their money and stuff into um building the cage around us now they just use our money. <laughs> they just take the tax money's money, launder it through Ukraine or whatever, and then use that to build the. They're not using their own money anymore. They're using ours. <laughs> right. It's uh, you know sick and twisted, but there yeah. it is. You know? So what? I've got kind of a two part question, but you know, so what prompted you to write this? And then I think part of that too is, um, from my understanding, from my reading. It seemed like you you started writing this like it took, you know, several multiple years and it straddled the COVID years. Um, So, you know, you started writing it before COVID and you finished after it. So what started you what prompted you to write it? And then how did COVID start to, you know, shift or, you know, play a part of like how you finished it? Right. Absolutely. Okay. so um, I was exposed to corruption on a local level um, at one point. And I thought to myself, um, this is a little hill. You know, there's a lot of corruption in this little hill. What is it like in Washington? You know what I mean? I really sort of, the experience came home to me like, oh my God, it must be an absolute swamp there, right? And so, and then around the same time that Barack Obama was rising and I just felt like he was just a made for TV image. He really did not have enough uh, like legislative experience to be running for the, for Washington, for, for the, be the president of the United States. Okay. Um, and so, I, I, something just went off in my brain where I said, I think I'm going to read about propaganda. And so that, that took me back to Edward Bernays and I, and I kind of hit his book and it slaps you in the face because it, it just shows that the vast and extensive marketing campaign they did to promote world war one. And you, you know, to me, you live in a constitutional Republic. You, you, there should either be good reasons for going to war or not. 
And the fact that you would market a war is just obscene, right, to me. And so it really kind of angered me. And then I just started kind of delving into a lot of other books and I kept reading. Well, then, okay, I put I wrote a first initial draft. And again, I have never written a book such as this. So it was it was okay. It was decent, but it wasn't. And then coronavirus hit and I realized I've got to finish this book. And pieces of the puzzle were being I don't know, just kind of emerging in my mind um, as I was going through this, you know, like I can walk through um, the coronavirus experience with this infrastructure of belief. And I can tell you why it worked. So from a very simple model, right? So first of all, um, let's just talk about, so in the middle is experience. Then there's authority, trust the experts, trust what other people are doing and saying. And that goes back to Aesop's fables, right? With the emperor has no clothes. I mean, we've always been, we've always looked around to see we're sheep that would like to belong. Haley, you're right. We don't want to stand out up here. You had words. Okay. Um, words are important and I'll, it's a little bit deeper. So I won't go explaining you. I'll show you in the example and then imagination, trust your culture. These are more implicit. These two top ones, um, they sort of, percolate in our subconscious. All right. But these, this triangle experience authority, I could get mostly everything you to believe everything if I had that triangle. Okay. So let's go through the coronavirus um, example, right? So you seeing is believing you, this is where technologically now we see a TV. We just, we believe the picture and you can tell whatever narrative you want around it, Haley. So, so you should say, well, a picture is worth a thousand words. Hmm. Not really. It's a decontextualized image. And I could take five creative writing students in a university and they could each write a different story about an image. All right. So let's go to the coronavirus. You said the guy writhing on the ground. We see the hazmat suits. Everybody saw that. We see the draconian lockdown, right? Then we go, then the scene shifts. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a play scene shifts to Italy. We see the morgues. We see, you know, more death and destruction. Okay. And that's Europe. Okay, so now we the scene shifts to the United States. Same thing happening in New York City, morgues, more deaths, floating ship, hospital. Okay, so right there, the normal person goes, "It happened in Asia, it happened in Italy, it happened in in the you know America." It's it's real. Okay, now if you add to that that somebody you knew got real sick, right, or worse yet, somebody died, well, it was a slam dunk right there. Because experience is kind of the number one indicator for, for, for you to, to believe something, okay? Then add that authorities, Haley. What authorities did they have behind them? They had the uh, CDC. They had the WHO, right? The FDA approved the product, all right? Um, if you didn't believe those guys, you could have believed Trump. Trump was an insider. He wouldn't close businesses for no reason. He had access to all the pertinent data. He, you know, he wouldn't lead us astray. Um, if you didn't believe him you would have probably believed your doctor. A doctor said, I needed it. I got to get it. Okay. So there you have all the authority. Now add to that. These are just specific authorities. Add to that the institutions, you know, they, they close the NCAA down. <laughs> we close the tournament down. They don't ever do that. The, the, the universities all went along with it. The corporation, so there's a slam dunk in every area, right? For authorities. Okay. So then if you still were a little doubting, you would look around and go, well, what's most people doing? And I'm going along with that. Okay. And this, this is, this, this framework has served you well your entire life. And if I come along or you come along and say, did you know that Pfizer broke the control arm and gave both sides the vaccines? And so we don't even have a, a accurate look of what the vaccines will do to a person, the possible side effects. 
you looked at me like I had three heads. I mean, and husbands and wives turned against each other, right? Because it's like um, the, uh, it's like a betrayal, right? All your trusts that you've lined up and 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 used your whole life, okay? You're basically you have to second guess them now in this in this corrupt culture and so for a lot of people it's i mean it's a big deal right i mean how did you come to kind of see through things it was a it was it's a it's a monumentous moment when that happens right you know and then i think the the bottom one i've got the same sheet here i don't know if you see that the the social pressure too and so um you know and there is feeling granny yes Absolutely. Yes. And I know a lot of people felt compelled because they there were people were like, you can't come to our birthday party. Uh, you can't come to family holidays. You can with- never travel again if you don't get the vaccine. You can't go to college. You can't go to right. school. Yeah. Y- you know, and then, p- you know, people bullying each other. Right. Into right. compliance, um, yeah. which I like that word. And I like a, a, a good segue into another um, uh idea that you brought forth in the book is that notion of idea bullying. Um, and I really loved how you put, I mean, that's a, such a great term because I really think it just encapsulates exactly what's going on. I do feel like, you know, absolutely with everything they're trying to shove down our throat, it's bullying. Yeah. It's a yeah. form of bullying. So why it don't is. you talk to me it's, about it's, idea it's bullying? Violence. Yeah, it's violence. Um, let me just, b- before we leave this, I just want to, yeah. to the coronavirus, there yeah. were, there were this language part, where you don't see where the piece is, they they had to change four definitions. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, they changed the pandemic definition. Mm-hmm. They changed vaccine, never mRNA. They changed deaths, what was actually coded as a death, and what was actually coded as a case. And they did that all to gin up the the uh, severity of it. You know what I mean? So again, that was another that was and and they used culture in, in a different way. But let's go on to the question you just asked me um, about. It's actually doing violence to relationship. Right. So um, Joseph Pieper says abusive power, um, abusive language. So once I like we're in dialogue right now and the assumption is we're trying to get to some sort of truth about the world around us, you know, and um, so we're sharing things. Um, But as soon as my words, I use words to manipulate you. Right. You become an object like like whatever, you know, you become an object like a table or a car. I'm going to move you around and use you for my own good. That's really violent, you know, it's a violence. And so, um, you know, that's the heart of it where they, they look down on us and they see the people. It's not a constitutional Republic. It's like, it's like a chess piece on a board. How do we get them to believe what we want and go through the sheep gate that we have for them to go through? And so we are nothing more than, you know, commodity. You could, you could say that. Um, and so, um, it doesn't matter what way they do it. Now, remember, they can't be too heavy handed because sheep wake up when that happens. Like a certain percentage of us woke up in cro- cro- coronavirus, right? And so they, you know, like there is that bludgeoning of that se- that um, social pressure, right? But then they back off a little bit, right? Because if they become too totalitarian and dictating things, um, you know, then, then, then sheep get spooked. All right. But so they've got to be that trusting thing. They got to, you know, get on your side and, and, and inhabit those trusts sort of unconsciously so that you believe the authorities they put in front of you. They believe the experiences you're being shown. Okay. Um, so again, they, they, they can't be too heavy handed, but they are idea boys. That's what they're doing in a, with a, with a guise on, with a mask. Yeah. Uh, 
I like, you know, and so let's kind of parlay that into, you know, uh, another example of, you know, what you started to say with the language that we kind of used mm-hmm. COVID. But of course, I think the obvious example right now is all this trans stuff with, you know, mandatory pronouns mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, being forced to refer to people by their non, you know, whatever, their non-biological pronoun, they are forcing that language on us and then forcing, you know, these terms of like pregnant people versus pregnant women, um, you know, uh, people of color, Latinx, I mean, all these other words. But I think that is the most obvious example. Like how, I can't believe they've got us going along with this where we have to like, ask people your pronouns and like we have to pretend we don't know if you're a male or a female when it's obvious but that's how language shapes culture yes yes exactly okay so so in my book we talk about um four ways to corrupt language okay and one way is reality and that's what you're talking about okay that words encompass how you talk about the world encompasses that reality okay and when you force somebody like just like you're saying you force people to to speak in a way that is not consistent with their own reality of the world you know again this is that's violent behavior right you're you're forcing your um you know cosmological view of reality onto those people and we should reject it at all costs you know what i mean because that's it's just not true it's a fiction in our in our world you know what i mean what they're what they're trying to to how they're trying to push us does that make sense hey y'all so i didn't mention it in the episode but i want to let you guys know that michelle is yet another accomplished guest who i met through the network at tom's school of life I didn't know her directly, but one of the accountability group facilitators who is familiar with both of us put her in touch with me because he thought she'd be a great guest for my show. And he was right. And that just goes to show you the vast network and deep talent pool of people that inhabit the Tom Woods atmosphere. Not all, but many of the guests that I interview on this show are either in the Tom School of Life or in his supporting listeners group. It's where you'll find all the best people on Team Reality. We kept each other sane during the COVID years when we were all trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And now that the powers that be have shown their hand and we know what their plans for us are, more and more people are stepping up to fight back. They're finding more secure jobs that won't cancel them for wrong think. They're getting fit physically so they'll be strong enough to handle any hard times that lie ahead. And they're forming connections and collaborating on big projects aimed at creating parallel institutions to combat the rotten ones that are leading us down the path of death and destruction by our overlords. All of this and more is happening inside Tom's School of Life. I know that the people who listen to my show are the type that want to get involved and fight back. Well, this is one of the best ways I know of that's actually moving the needle and giving bang for buck for the people on our side who are trying to survive and thrive in clown world. If you've been wondering, what can we do to fight back against the global elite that wants to enslave us all? The first step should be to join with other like-minded action takers in Tom's School of Life. Check it out at libertyalliancenetwork.com forward slash T-S-O-L for Tom's School of Life. That's libertyalliancenetwork.com slash T-S-O-L. See you in there. And I, I like you kind of tie it into the the biblical side of things, the Christian mm-hmm. side of things, because you talk about the word. I mean, the word. And 
you know, we wouldn't refer to the the Bible or Jesus as the word of God if it weren't powerful, if it didn't have the power to shape reality and words become, you know, thoughts and thoughts become ideas and ideas become action. Words are powerful. And it took, again, us on our side a long time to understand that because the left has done a great job for Mm -hmm. a long time of manipulating language and manipulating words. And we never really caught on to what they were doing. It's only like in like the last decade, maybe that we finally wised up. Oh, yeah, but they've been nudging us along to mm-hmm. their, you know, because of their manipulation of of language. Um, in, a, in your book, it says one of the first signs of tyranny is when words converted into tools, when words are converted into tools of manipulation. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I think there's no greater example of that right now than, of course, all this trans nonsense. And that's where George, people like Jordan Peterson, he burst onto the scene when he started, you know, raising the alarm about what was going on in Canada with their, you know, their bill, I think it was called at the time C-19, but basically the compelled speech bill where you were going to be compelled to refer to people by their preferred pronouns or whatever under penalty of law, Um, you know, and how, how can you get that more tyrannical than that? I mean, you can, but I mean, that's pretty obvious and obvious example. You know, where they start with that. And again, one of the things that's important to to, to um, understand too is that public opinion drives laws. And if you don't change the public opinion, you're going to have a backlash like prohibition, right? People were not down with prohibition. They had to reverse that. You know, everybody was acting very lawlessly because they didn't just, the public opinion was not there to outlaw alcohol, right? And so um, what they need to do and what they have been doing in the secondary schools and the colleges is making ideas um, making people fearful of ideas or ideas as offensive, right? So then they can be legislated. In the mind of the young kids growing up, they are um, inculcating the, the public opinion that says, yes, you can penalize that person because those words are harmful. You know, th- Those are terrorist words even, right? And so instead of just being like, oh, you can call me whatever, and somebody else will call me that, you know, like, you can be your trans identity, but everybody doesn't have to go along with you. Now it's hurtful and offensive. And so there they, they, you know, they're they're trying to to create the seedbed of public opinion that says, yes, you can censor people for harmful words. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, you know, just maybe a slight pushback, though, too, as you said, public opinion shapes the laws. But when you've got these agendas that are top down, not not <clears throat> right. bottom up, that mm-hmm. they are forcing this on us. And I don't know whether we, and, and, and certain countries are at various stages of this, you know. Um, so I, a recent example I gave was like Scotland, where now they've got uh, a law that penalizes parents under like up to seven years in prison if they don't affirm their transgender t- child's identity. Mm-hmm. So where was the public pressure for that law? I, I find it hard to believe that parents were out there lobbying their congressmen, please make this law that penalizes us if we don't affirm this gender identity. So mm-hmm. now maybe previously, yes, mm-hmm. uh, politics is downstream of culture. But now mm-hmm. I think we're seeing a reversal of that in small ways or big in small ways where they're they're just starting to, you know, it's becoming more and more overt, more yes. and more like like top down in and in your yes, in your yeah. face. Yeah. And I think that's part of the subjection of the culture. I mean, they know they're at a part where we get we get pushed, they get no pushback 
They push further, they get no pushback. They push further, right? And so they're they're just they are getting more and more bullish that we can actually see. I, I would agree with that, you know, but they do it's the it's the you know, indoctrinated superintendents and legal people that are going along with, you know what I mean? They've been raised in the universities to come out and promote this stuff. You know what I mean? So they're the ones that sort of, you know, it's like, yes, it's, it's up the chain, but, and it is getting more, I would agree with you. Um, but, um, they're doing their best to train people to, um, come out with those thinking the way they do in other words. And, and then, and then piggybacking off that where, you know, like, yes, we haven't been pushing back. Um, that goes back to like, the, I, I don't know, maybe an, another kind of example of like the Hegelian dialect, because then if we do push back, like, you know, when we do start, then they start to, again, paint us as the bad guys, you know, Antifa can do whatever it wants. Right. You know, they can bomb, you know, federal buildings and carry on summers of rage or whatever you want to call it. But if we try and push back or stop it, then then they go back to the media and paint us as the terrorists or, or whatever. So we're kind of like in a no win position by yeah. design. I where agree. We, where we <laughs> I either, agree. Where we either allow this to happen or we push back and we are made to be the bad guys. Right. Damned if we do, damned if we don't. Okay. And that's that's the power of controlling public opinion. That's the power of sitting in that, um, what I'd say, conventional warfare with howitzers and B-52 bombers, informational B-52 bombers, aircraft carriers. Those are the weaponry we can't we can't use. Okay. Um, and the thing is, we need to have our kids and our children be able to identify that. You know what I mean? And that is the problem. You know what I mean? It's not these other things. Yeah, they're problems too, but if we don't get the root problem, which which is probably if we can go into that monopoly tree, if I can share that with sure. your audience. Yeah. Um, um, let me see here. It's uh, where did it go? It was here. Oh boy. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> so again, this is a horrible image. Don't, don't uh, penalize me for this. This is me. Um, with a with a scratch copy and my um my uh designer is gonna do it up in a nice way but just th just think close your eyes if you have to whatever look at look at a tree with fruit on it okay the fruits are these okay the the pandemic okay the green agenda cbdc's political corruption universal basic income unchecked migration 15 minute cities um climate change wars digital ids um, gender fluidity, massive land grabs, the SDGs. Did I forget anything? There's probably more. Human trafficking. All right. Um, but you could, these are all issues confronting us now, right, Haley? Mm -hmm. And um, they're fruit on a tree. And if, I don't know, I, I don't know about you, but after coronavirus, like I used to, to look at about you know, maybe seven to 10 news things. And then all these other sources came in and they're good people on Substack fighting this agenda and some of them fighting that agenda and some of them are fighting this agenda. And it's like, you can't read it all. I mean, do you feel like that too? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I don't. Okay. So you, you almost get like that bunny who sees the owl overhead and they, they get down like this and they're like, I don't know where to run. You know what I mean? I don't know what to do, which is what your program is all about. You know what I mean? Where, what, what thing do you attack? of these 25 things coming at us. Okay? Right. Yeah. So what is on the, the trunk here is, is the word enslavement. Okay. And this is the monopoly tree control in a free society. All right. So on the bottom, you got to think of seven deep, large tap roots. 
and they're monopolies. Okay. They, they have the federal money monopoly. Okay. That's huge. It's, we're never going to, they, they're controlling all the other countries of the world with a central bank, right? The IMF, the world bank, right? They're, they're getting people in a debt trap, getting other sovereign nations in a debt trap. The news media is a monopoly. Propaganda is a monopoly, right? We have all these big multi-billion dollar, you know, publicists, intergroup, WPP that are sort of behind a lot of the rollouts, like the COVID rollout, okay? The SDG rollout. You have a governance monopoly. You have a corporation or industry monopolies, right? And um, university, like an idea syndicate, okay, which is what I told you, you keep pumping out the evidence for your own ideas, like climate change, and, and what's coming as a much, much greater medical monopoly, right? And so I'm encouraging people. And for me, I just, I want to get people down to the real problems. Like, let's just say, I don't know what you would say, let's say 20% of people are kind of woke up. All right. I wouldn't say that 20% people are actually battling anything. They're maybe not doing anything. They're deer in the headlights. I don't know where to spend my time, right? Maybe I'll just grow a garden, right? Um, but, um, you know, there's a certain percentage, like let's say 2% are battling um, the 50-minute cities. 2% are battling the WHO treaty, right? And we only have 10% of the population who's even active trying to battle something. And so we're dissipating our forces across, let's say, 25 different items. It doesn't seem to me to be an effective way. You know what I mean? And so we've got to get people zoning in. Like if we don't define the problem and realize how bad it is, we're going to have to deal with these monopolies. Nothing's getting better because you know what? They just grow another fruit. They'll rename it something else. If we were to push back on, let's say, like CBDCs or well, like, okay, the vaccine passports, right? We pushed back on the vaccine passports, right? Well, now it's a digital ID. We're going we're gonna to get it through versus on a digital ID platform. They're just going to, you know, we pluck this fluid out, another pops over up over here. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm going to actually get T-shirts made like this because I think it's a great conversation starter. And what yeah. can you do? We can open our mouths. We have got to be more aggressive because there are how many billions and millions of us, right? If we don't speak up, if we don't, open our mouths with that conversation with the friend. If we don't push back in an, in a um, uh, being the truth at work, you know what I mean? Re- refusing to go along with things, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's, you so, know. I, I, I agree with that. And um, I had a guest, you know, when I asked the question, and I'll, you know, I'm going to ask you eventually, you know, when we get there, but, you know, what can we do? And he said, speak, you know, use your First Amendment rights and speak. Um but when we're dealing with people and even people who might more or less be on my on our side. So, like, for example, I have I play pickleball um, and I've got there's some friends of mine in the group, some neighbors that live in the neighborhood. And they're like, you know, conservatives. I wouldn't quite say they're as red pilled as we are. So um, uh, she, you know, uh, she's a little bit older than me, you know, late 40s. And she was really sick over the holidays. And, you know, she's, I've, you know, talked to her a few times and she's in a couple instances made some comments about, and, and in particularly today, she said, well, you know, people just think that this COVID is over. And I just think that they just went back to normal. And I've, the, I was the sickest I've ever been. I didn't test, but I'm sure it was COVID. And, you know, people just aren't, aren't taking precautions anymore. So like, she's still in that line of thinking. 
mm-hmm. or even if you talk to, and especially if you talk to somebody who isn't even remotely on your side. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, going back to um, the words being powerful, like they're literally manufacturing a separate reality for us. So like when you do try and have a conversation, it's like, where do you even begin? I can't, like we aren't even operating on the same plane of existence right. anymore. I don't even know. There's no common ground. They've torn that away. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, if we can't even agree on what a woman is, how do you even have a conversation about yeah, that? Exactly. I, 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 right. And so that's why I kind of brought, brought that coronavirus example. And then when, you know, when you interject a fact there, they think you have five heads. Well, I created a study guide. Okay. I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, I haven't okay. seen it that. Goes, it goes mm-hmm. with the book. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people to, this is one thing you could do, right? Mm-hmm. You could say, Hey, let's, Let's, you know, you've got a women's group or a book club or a church group or even do it one-on-one with your kids, mm-hmm. okay? So there, there's there's information that's not in the book. And I'm not, you know, you can get this on my website actually free if you want a PDF um, version that you can just download, okay? But if you actually want a book version. But it's, it's one way to get groups of people together. Again, I don't go right or left, and I just want you to take a look at – at, at propaganda history. And I'm not going super, super deep. I mean, you know, you read the book, right? It's not, I'm, I'm kind of highlighting certain areas and going through and, and hopefully weaving the thread together and seeing, okay, you see how this is, has mapped out. You can't even imagine that they would um, let this power just sit on the sideline. Okay. Um, and not be used once they realized what they had in world war one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, you're talking about if, you know, you have somebody who's married for 25 years and let's say you are aware that their spouse is cheating and you come up to them, you know what I mean? There's a boatload of resistance, correct? Generally speaking. And so that's what we can expect. And, you know, here's a, I, I learned something from Leo Tolstoy. I was reading one of his books over the Christmas holiday and he said, you know, the mass of men, he, 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 he um, made an analogy of the mass of men as ballast on a ship. And he said, the mass of men will go over all at once when the opinion shifts. Okay. And you can kind of use the idea of the segregation, right? In the 1960s, when Northerners were shown enough of the images of what the Southern, you know, Blacks were experiencing during that time. And then they saw the water cannons and the dogs being released on them. And they're, they're, evolved a sympathy, right? And then a backlash, like, wait a minute, these people are, are human beings as well. And this this should not be happening in our country, right? And then boom, everybody, you know, oh, yes, we agree. We really snapped over into, you know, thinking a different way. And, and so um, I like that because, it, you know, ballast, it's a little bit counterintuitive. You think, why would I weigh the ship down? I want to move in the water. Well, it holds it down lower and it keeps it steady. So it's not being buffeted by wind, every wind of doctrine. And we're sheep. We want a, a secure environment. We don't want to be going this way and then over there, or wolves on this side. We have to have kind of a nice, steady ride. And so the, the, the majority of people are the ballast. And I just thought that's brilliant because now I don't really like I can think about them differently. You know, thank God for the ballast. But, mm-hmm. but I need to continue to be the prophetic uh, voice in a sense, right? You need to be that. We need to bring experiences before them, um, live things before their eyes, demonstrations in, in multiple ways all over the place so that they can finally swing that that public opinion back over. 
you know, and, and we are in a, you know, the coronavirus broke that surface, didn't it? Okay. For punch the surface for a lot of people, they're in a, they're in dangerous ground right now because the very one thing they can't have is for the curtain to be thrown back on the wizard of Oz and people go, this is what they've been doing the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, Oh my God, I see it. You can't put anything back in the box after somebody sees it. So, go ahead. And, and that goes, you know, I think there's a reverse way of, you know, the, the, um, your infrastructure of belief. So, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle, you say you've got uh, experience, trust your eyes. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, they've also trained us not to trust our own eyes, um, you know, the opposite way. So, um, you know, they want you to not believe your own eyes, like using climate change as an example, like they want you to think our planet is warming. Well, hey, like like three quarters of the country just had record low temperatures and blizzards and everything. And here in Florida, I, I mean, I've been freezing mm-hmm. two, two months straight of weather that's been like in the 50s and 60s, which what, you know, so it's cold here. And yet they want you to pretend no, yes. the planet's getting warmer. So and it's like a reverse. Don't believe your own eyes because, um, you know, so like, yes, you need to bring experiences before them. But even when people, when you bring those experiences, unless it comes along with maybe authority and trust or something else, they won't believe you. They won't believe you. Sadly. Right. Well- well, I mean, there's 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 going to be, let's say, 20 to 30 percent that we will never convince right now. You know what I mean? No amount of speech because they have you know what, Haley, you know what does it? It's a pain point. You know, when you're when your frame with how you understand the world breaks apart, you know, and we are coming into those times. So so in a sense, I mean, that you know, that's a difficult thing to accept. You know, things are going to be breaking that have not been breaking and people are going to be realizing, like, I'll tell you what's a pain point with people because I'm a physical therapist. Right. And when I tell them the medical system is broke, they go, I know, I know it is because we're, it's a struggle to get anything. You're getting wrong diagnoses at the hospital. You're not getting rehab. When you go to skilled nursing facilities, people are being thrown home with no resources. They get that. And they want to like, like, how did that happen? You know, so that is so we're going to have to be ready at different pain points to be able to speak to them. Well, well, look, you know, corporations, I've been watching it. I've been in medicine for 30 years. Corporations, I watched them for the last 20 years buy out all the local hospitals and then the down lines and the vertical lines and everything. And they own it all and they don't care. And that's just what we're getting. You know, I had a I had a nurse, uh, a retired nurse who told me she just wanted to get a side gig job with an insurance. And when she interviewed, they said, um, you have to deny 50%. We have a quota. Whoa. Can you believe that? No. So, 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 so she's an old school nurse and she said, <laughs> see ya. Yeah. I'm not doing that because that's unethical. Cause even if they justifiably you had a justifiable claim, they're going to have to go through the appeals process. And of course the insurance knows that only a small percentage will do that. And then their bottom line goes up. Right. Mm-hmm. So she said to me, but he said, you know, Michelle, they're paying a lot of money. So basically they're bribing people to be unethical and, mm-hmm. and more, you know, again, that's an issue we have to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. are, are we ethical? You know well, I mean? I mean, you know, and, and I know you kind of reference it a little bit, so I, I suspect you're probably a fellow believer, but you know, it's that, that, uh, biblical scripture that, uh, what, what, uh, what does it profit a man to gain mm-hmm. the world, but lose his soul? Right. You know, and I think that's where where we're at right now, where people are going to have to make a decision. um, And it's a hard one. 
Um, and we're told it's going to be a hard one. Um, in, in the Bible, there's going to be pains, there's going to be suffering, this is going to be, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the, the, the. Right. But if you, if, and so, so we have to be able to stand up and suffer. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and for the culture and, you know, we, enough of us do that. They're going to see, you know, th- we will be the witness that's needed. You know, we just mm-hmm. have to trust that what we're hearing from God, like step in, you know, to your, to your audience, step in and do what God's telling you to do. I mean, I can tell you, I fought God. I said, nobody's going to read a book about propaganda from a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> we went back and forth for a long time. I said, it's going to be a waste of time. I'm going to put it on as Amazon and no one's going to read it. And I don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's just, and for everyone out there, they have a job to do um, in whatever way that is, you know, whatever pushback that is, whatever vocalization, whether it's training your kids, whether it's having a group, whether it's, um, you know, there are things each one of us that need to be doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, do you think, um, you know, I'm kind of circling back and I'm going to wrap this up here soon, but, um, going back to, you know, you talked about, well, they have the reach because and they need a lot of money to do what they do, et cetera. But of course they're a small number, but, and we have the numbers, right? but it almost sounds like, you know, unless we can marshal that into like a common cause, despite the fact that we way far outnumber them, um, it, it doesn't, it might not make a difference or it's still going to be an uphill battle. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, and that's kind of why, one of the reasons why I talked about the, the monopoly tree and say, we have to consolidate our resources. I mean, I think it would be beneficial for us to, you know what I mean? If we can, we can be targeting the messages and it's very difficult because, you know, we're all distracted. And, and so, you know, um, one of the things I realize is we are like sheep without a shepherd, right? Because the the shepherds, which should have been the politicians in a way, and even the faith leaders who are really nowhere in the actual um, uh, society, civic mm-hmm. society, they're nowhere. They're out in like a cul-de-sac somewhere, right? And so, um, you know, their voice isn't heard on, in the regular society. And so they, they're muted. Um, but we, you know, who is organizing us, who is identifying the problems and leading us into the correct sheep gate. And so who do we have? And, and what, what I'm realizing is when I, again, this partly came out of the propaganda quiz, but the digital space. Okay. So we talked about conventional propaganda and we haven't talked about the digital space. I don't, I tell people not to start there because consider it urban warfare, guerrilla warfare. I don't believe for a minute that they, like when they opened the internet up to us, they wanted surveillance. They were going to surveil us through that, but it was a double-edged sword in that we would have some truth would pop out and emerge through that crack of the digital, you know, me getting on a computer, you getting on a computer and, you know, passing things through social media. Um, And so they are ready. They've got billions, remember, and they're seeding people in the front of our movements. Like they anticipate the movements, like look at um, American frontline doctors. I don't know if you've done any exploration of that, but it looks like, you know, it was kind of a shady pack that set those guys up um, originally. Um, and they were identified with Citizen Corp, which was doing kind of fungy things with social media stuff. Right. And then it gets blown up. Right. So, right. You get, you get 
two fractions fighting. You got Simone Gold and the and the board, and and it would take a hundred hours to figure out. And we, we we don't even have access to the information to figure out what is what, right? You have Robert Malone, right, going after the Bregans, right? To me, that's like a flashbang in their front yard. Okay, a grenade in their back. Okay, we'll take care of those old people for a while. We'll put them off the, you know, they'll be off to the side and maybe they'll even give up. That's what we hope. That's what guerrilla warfare, it's mean, it's ugly, it's face-to-face combat. And I think we should expect that almost in every movement that we see rise. Check the money, follow the money. Who organize them? If they seem too fast to the front, because organization takes time, as you know, and, um, you know, they'll move to the front right, right at the beginning, you know, only to take it slightly to the right or slightly to the left of the truth. And then, you know, the sheep, once they come to knowledge, they're all already being taken off track again through digital media. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So I Absolutely. do not recommend people, I do not recommend people starting in the digital space. That's why I go back in time. If you understand the big thread, okay, the forest from the trees, then as you get experience, you're going to start to be able to identify things in the digital space a lot faster than if you just tried to start there. Right. And I think that's what we're up against right now is, you know, um, one of the potential solutions is like, okay, uh, maybe building parallel institutions to try and combat some of these. However, just to your point, what you just made, then we have the risk of those being co-opted. And then Mm -hmm. the whole thing just is so demoralizing, you know, like where you think there's no way out. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter what we do. They're always going to have the, you know, the upper hand or, you know, make a move in front of us and, and co-opt right. something that we've built. Um, I don't know. Do you have a white, white pill <laughs> to counterbalance that? <laughs> well, you know what? I think, you know, what's the thing that's been going through my mind is I've got to get offline. I mean, I don't mean take offline, just, just approach people out offline, like take the message to festivals, take the message to street corners, take the message to small groups, take the message face to face to people, encourage them, give them something that they can do face to face. Okay. And there's plenty of other things as well. But I mean, I, I, you know, I'm like trying to help promote that. Okay. How can we get that message? And you know, that, that little chain letter, remember that thing you used to do, you, they send you a chain letter and you send it to five other people and they send it to five people, you know, and it's like, you know, it seems like it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It seems like it would be possible to work, but but we're not going to be able to use the chains that they use without it being, um, you know, I think sabotaged in in a lot of different ways. And right. so we have to expect that we can't be naive and think, you know, we're just going to get online and it's going to be this nice, you know, sanitized environment, clean mm-hmm. and. Uh, friendly for our voice. No, they understand what, what they're doing. Right. And I think that's why, you know, I mean, as I'm starting up, I'm on the verge of starting up and I'm, I'm going to be talking about it more as the year progresses, a, a local Liberty group um, in my own area. And I had the idea of like thinking about like, how can we inject some, you know, because the, the propaganda is so thick. How mm-hmm. can we start to inject some truth into this society? And it might seem simple, but, you know, like Billboard Chris has been very, very successful. But, hey, you know, we do a street sign, a, a street, like a sign waving on a street corner. And rather than like waving a sign for your preferred like presidential candidate, right. you know, uh, you could wave signs talking about, you know, vaccine injuries or um, you know, just ideas that are like not getting through right. to like puberty, but puberty blockers aren't reversible. 
you know, right, <laughs> like right. just things like that, because this is what the, the you know, the, the, the counterbalance or just kind of start to force the conversation or at least right. plant a seed. You know, you have to kind of find a way around the ABC news and the, 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 social media and the Google algorithms, everything's being Mm -hmm. gamed. Yeah. And I think the the way that we start to maybe get a handle on this, this is why I'm encouraging people. I'm on a mission and I know you're with me to like, you have to get involved and it has to be person to person and it has to be local. You know, we have to start there and build these communities and start, it has to come back to, you know, your backyard again right. and and form these local liberty groups form communities so that you do have a strong bond you ha- you know you have a network of fabric uh, of something and that's how you start to resist some of these other ideas right stuff. and you know it's funny i i was uh you know like ed bernays is the sort of the the creator of of stagecraft but you know i was i was thinking at one point and then i realized that um actually if you look in the bible you know because because basically what what Bernays did was dramatize an issue, bring it out of the uh, ephemeral, okay, or just the, the, the headspace, bring it out and bring it visually before people's eyes. That's what the prophets did, Haley. Okay, they they would like take this you know waistcoat and and, and bury it for three, and then then God would say, "That's your relationship with me," you know, or I want you to go bury a harlot, okay, and then the people would, and then then he would have he had, would have this experience right in front of them. And talking about seed now, but because that, that that relationship's way out there, and it's and it's hidden, and it's just you know, and he brought it visual, okay, through the prophets, and um, you know, it's like we can we can use that, you know, that your your audience can think of creative ways to bring bring problems into the visual space for people, so they can see it. I mean, I just know people out there, you know, we're creative. You know, we can have God given inspiration and, and, you know, just, just spend some time thinking about that. Yeah. And how could we, how we can make that real for people? Yeah. Well, Michelle, you know, the, I, I would, uh, Love, I know there's so much more we could talk about and uh, there is more I want to talk about, but I I do want to, in the interest of time, wrap it up right there. Um, But my last question that I always ask all my guests um, is what can we do? How can we, you know, whether it's in the propaganda sense or just in a general sense, how can we fight back against this madness? Um, I, I, you know, I think it starts with us. It starts with us being unwilling to be moved off our dial, unwilling to use the words with the reality. Um, you know, uh, when you look at um, this infrastructure of belief, this is kind of the way they um, they con us. But if you take each one of those those elements, it's like, um, what's culture about, uh, Haley? It's about setting your aim right? To the highest principles. That's what culture is about. It's, it's, it's setting that aim. Okay. Social pressure. What keeps you, prevents you from knuckling into social pressure, living your principles, right? Like, I'm just not going to do that. You want me to do pronouns? I'll quit my job. That's living your principles. Okay. You know, it's, it says, trust the experts. Well, I say, test the experts. Okay. That's biblical too, right? Test them, you know, know their fruits. Just don't listen to the words that people say to you. Right. Um, and then the language, you already, we already talked about the, the importance, you got to pay attention to that language, right? Those are things we can do. We can pay attention and pull that apart and resist it at every, and we can, you know, inculcate, like I, I remember once talking with a, a kid, a junior in college or in high school, and um, we were talking about the scarlet letter A and I used the word adultery and they went, 
Like they never heard the word adultery. And um, I was like, I was inner city kid, no, no church background. Right. And um, I said, fornication, do you know that word? And she said, no. And I said, what about virtue? Didn't know that word that the, the, almost the moral language had been scrubbed from her background. So, so how she would approach problems like, well, do you want to do it or not? You know what I mean? That's where her default went to. Right. Um, and so, we're, so I'm kind of going around the horn in this infrastructure belief and saying how you can push back. Right. And the other thing is experience seeing is believing, but what do we know by faith? We listen and we hear, right. Blessed is those who believe, but didn't see. Right. And so we have that faith to see the world the way, you know, that, that, it doesn't have vision attached to it, right? And we have to hear. And that counteracts that, um, you know, that ability to kind of manipulate through vision because we're hearing a different voice, right? The sheep hear my voice and do what I say, right? And so all those things, you know, and you have to have faith to bring things into being, right? That's that's part of what we are as a, as a, as a people. And so, um, you know, working on all those areas will strengthen you and the people around you and your communities, you know, so it's going to reverse engineering what they're doing to game you and, and strengthening, strengthening that. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so why don't you go ahead and just tell us where, where we can get your book, how we can follow you, plug anything else you want to plug, and then we will get out of here. Okay. So, um, smartsheep.com. So it's sheep with an E it's an old English plural. So smart, S-H-E-E-P-E, all right, dot com. And you can, I'll have a blog there. I also have a sub stack. Um, and, you know, the, the neatest thing that you can do there is, is again, you can download this in the Smart Sheep Challenge. You can get this on Amazon if you want um, with the book. And um, it's a way, you know, it's, you don't, don't, you don't have to feel like you need to teach it. You just need to have a conversation with people. You know, you have to be willing to say, hey, let's look at these things because they're important principles, you know, um, and um, and so and see where it goes, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. what that's what they can do to, to stay in touch with me. Perfect. All right. And I will have this on the show notes page, libertyalliancenetwork.com slash what can we do while you are there. You can also sign up for my email list. Don't forget to do that. That way you can stay informed on what I'm doing, what's going on with the show. Um, other little tidbits of information, um, my local Liberty group. I just kind of keep pe- people informed on my email list. So when you head to libertyalliancenetwork.com, don't forget to sign up for that. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm glad that God re- led you to write this uh, fabulous book. I know it was a, you know, a tedious endeavor, but uh, I really highly encourage people to go pick it up because it is so informative and it's so important right now that people understand um, you know, start to pull the curtain back of what they're doing. And you laid it out um, in such an easy to read format. And, um, you know, even though it was a lot, it's a lot of information and you managed to, as you said, distill it down and make it uh, uh, understandable for the layperson. So, um, Michelle, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Haley. Thank you for having me.